that I can say anything. I could say that we're going to do an entire Literate Ape event designed around my balls and a funny face that I draw on my balls, and you'd be fine with it. But if I said right. a funny face on my balls in blackface, and you would you would just go, no, anything but that. It's like, all right, that's funny to me. Because I can defend. That's the, li that's the line you draw. Nuts. I cannot defend your black blackface. Face on my nuts. Well... <laughs> I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Apecast uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe send and listen to it. <laughs> You had an EQ test. Yeah, I, I took an EQ test. Um, All right. So, tell, you know, this seems like a big, like I get, I, I haven't heard from you for a couple of days and then I get a wellness check and you tell me you have an EQ test and it was something you needed to do and that you are a, what, a cynical optimist? Is that what it is? That well, I, I didn't need to do it. I was at last week when I was at work, we were on site, we had a, um, you know, client meeting. And part of this meeting had this workshop about, it was a leadership development summit. And part of it was um, this workshop around emotional intelligence. And so to take your emotion, to understand emotional intelligence, they had everybody take uh, an EQ test, which is, you know, the emotional intelligence quotient. And I didn't need to do it, but I'm sitting in this workshop, twiddling my thumbs. And you thinking, might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's, let's see what this is. Um, and my response or my, my result surprised the shit out of me. I'm an optimist. I am my, my EQ superpower, according to the test that I took, is I'm the optimist. So I see the bright side of life. Um, I'm great at being grateful for what I have, seeing exciting possibilities and finding a silver lining. So I don't know. You tell me. Like initially, does that sound like your pal David Himmel? That does not sound like my pal David Himmel. It sounds nothing like David Himmel. Um, however, that does not mean that is not an accurate uh, assessment of things. You know, I mean that that that's things. I don't think I've never thought. I've always thought you you bordered just as a person. You border on what I would call a disappointed optimist. There you go. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and, and a wannabe and a wannabe nihilist. So, uh, yeah, I would love to be a nihilist, but I just, I care too much. And yeah, exactly. I, just, I can't shake that. Yeah. I've tried, yeah. I've tried yeah. to shake it and it has only made things worse for me. Yeah. A disappointed I mean, optimist. That's a re Did you know that the, the work, the original working title of Hope Idiotic was Mastering Disappointment. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Seriously, that, makes that was sense. like, that totally like makes my sense. Old files, I've got like Mastering Disappointment was, well, and, that's and what it was like, to, to yeah. me, it, it, it's like you seemed really surprised by it. The thing about it is because I consider myself a disappointed optimist, but, but the yeah. diff, the thing is there are cynics who thinks, you know, that did you, that did you see the pessimism in life and, and, and they, while they border sometimes on nihilism, it's just like, man, things will never get better. And then there's the optimist and the optimist is I believe in humanity and I believe that we will eventually crawl out of the abyss of the fucking primordial soup of let me hit you with a fucking jawbones ass and kill you. Um, a jawbones I, ass. This is, we're going into Cain and Abel. Sorry. Um, what is a jawbone's ass? Oh, the the jawbone of an ass. The jawbone of an ass. Yeah, or a jawbone's is that ass. He killed him. Like, did he kill him with a with the jawbone of a donkey? I think so. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Maybe hit him with a rock. I. You know what? Was I there? Just, I wasn't I there. No, it's just it's a very specific detail. I just I popped like into somebody who knows that story. It. Well, I I, I. I just know somebody was killed with the jawbone of an ass, and that just popped <laughs> into my head. Somebody was, and that's how it was. Anyway. I think the I think the combination of being a cynical optimist or a disappointed optimist is really better defined as being a realist. It's 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 yeah. recognizing the hopeful while acknowledging the incredible odds against hope. And and yeah. that that it was, yeah. 
so I sent this to my wife and she was like, what the fuck? You're not. And I was like, well, but, but I am. Cause like, if you think about, if you go back and look at my, my writings mm -hmm. and you listen to the ape, I, maybe not listen as much, but <clears throat> certainly in my readings, there is not all the time, but often there's like a, there is a silver lining in my, even the darkest shit, you know? And it's, so I feel like, yeah, okay. I've always been kind of an optimist, but I think to your point, a disappointed optimist or a realist, which is like, yeah, this is going to fucking suck, but at least it's going to suck together. You know, like, we're, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. At least there's like, unity in the suckitude. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, it, Kobe Bryant is dying. He's falling in a burning helicopter about to crash and explode, but at least he's doing it with his kid. Matthew Perry is going to die, but at least he's in a hot tub. Yeah, he's having a comfortable time in a hot tub. Great That's way to what I'm go. Saying. No, the thing is, my mom and I used to have this, uh, this there's real a plane, debate. There's a plane yeah. coming at my office building, but shit, I'm not, I'm not done with the presentation that I need to present in half an hour here, so great. Let's blow up the World Trade Center. Yeah, and then I don't have to worry about Silver the presentation. Lining. Silver lining. No, my mom and I used to have this uh, disagreement that, that she, as a Christian, believes that, that babies, that people, human beings, defined as babies, when they're born, are born uh, clean and pure and innocent. And that it takes the world to define over time and experience, nature and nurture, whether or not they become evil or good. My view is the opposite because I've met, I've met children. I've seen toddlers and toddlers are basically they're, they're fucking feral chimps. They are. Toddlers aren't babies though. They've been poisoned by the world. They've, no, they've had baby, TV, they've had ba sugar. Babies, babies scream when they want shit. It doesn't matter what they want. It doesn't matter if they want food or if they want sleep or if the wind blows or they hear a sound of a fart, they scream like it's the, they're just creatures. Okay. When they get big enough to be able to grab things, they're violent and destructive you know it's just babies and so i think babies are born as feral animals and 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 most human beings haven't really evolved past that ferility and yeah. so i am always just so pleasantly surprised when people actually do good shit it's not, it's not, that's the thing. That's the thing. My optimism is that people suck just as a rule. The default is that people are shitty. And the, the plus yes. is, is when they actually have nature nurtured themselves into a place to do something that is selfless or generous or kind or for the betterment of society. And, and so when I see somebody do something like that, I'm like, you know, Fucking A, there is hope. That's why there's, uh, you see a lot of <laughs> stories about like police officer, uh, heartwarming engagement between police officer and little boys. I saw some news story. But you don't, see a, you don't see a, you don't see a lot, see a lot of, of them. Them. You don't, but they're there. Because hum I believe that humans, despite their best intentions, are inherently awful. Our instincts yeah, I are agree. to destroy the other. Selfish. Self-interest. motivation. Yep. Yep. And when we can be better, that is always a surprise. So I think, yeah, like, do I think I'm going to, I, well, I, so I get this optimist thing and I'm on this other, you know, in addition to this, on this kind of existential journey to balance my shit out a little bit where I'm not so miserable and so cynical all the time, but I can, but I don't want to be the Pollyanna, like everything's great and, you know. Do, do, do. There's a plane coming at my office building. Yay. Finding the balance between. Well, and to me. Because that's that's the human experience is yeah. it's complicated and it's contradictory. Well, it's 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 this is the thing. And I, I think the reason uh, I was thinking about this, it's in fact, it's in, in one of my I believes that will hit this afternoon um, is that that the, the solution to anxiety you know we, we have a lot of anxiety in the world the solution to anxiety which is ultimately call it what you want to call it you can say it's a medical thing whatever anxiety is the fear of the unknown 
Well, the solution to the fear and the unknown is do something, anything, because action automatically solves that fear because it tells you exactly what's going to happen. It's no longer unknown. If I do this thing and this happens, then I already know there's no anxiety. I think misery specifically, and I think this is probably uh, probably a, a more generalized version of misery, but specific to you, it is based on expectation. And that's where your optimism comes into place. You expect things to work out really well. And then when they don't, you're, you're fucking miserable that things didn't work out the way you wanted them to. And I think that's true. I think that's true for everybody. I don't really think that's just specific to you, but I think that's true of everybody. And then the other aspect of it is, you know, I don't believe anybody doesn't give a fuck about anything. I think it's about figuring out what you value and giving a fuck about that, but not giving about fuck, not giving a fuck about the things that either ultimately do not help you in any way. You know, it's like if you give a fuck about what everybody else thinks of you, especially people you've never met, maybe never that you wouldn't get up in the morning and say, Hey, Hey, random stranger. What do you think of my tennis shoes today? If you didn't think you were going to ask them about that, then why the fuck do you give a shit what they think of your tennis shoes? And that's just what I'm saying. It's like navigating your expectations so that not, and I don't think it's about lowering your expectations, but just understanding that your expectations may or may not come. It's good to have expectations because expectations are like goals. But if it doesn't work out the way you wanted to, being able to, being able to pivot being able to pivot and understand that, you know, hey, that's those are the odds. Yeah, that's um, I thought about expectations as goals, but that's interesting because I learned. <clears throat> I was probably about 13 or 14. It was during the bar mitzvah years, you know, where every weekend I was going to at least one bar bat mitzvah. And birthday parties and things, you know, junior high. And it was all like, all right, at this at this point bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, whatever, this party, you know, Sarah Polcini's going to dance with me. And then if Sarah Polcini didn't dance with me, I'd be devastated. And I would go into these things with all these expectations of what was going to happen. And when it didn't, ugh, devastation, depression, self-doubt, all those things. And I learned that, well, if we just go into it without those expectations, see what happens, and then whatever happens, you're surprised. So it, even if it goes to shit, yes. it's still like, well, I didn't expect that. That's yeah. a, that's a new thing. It's so funny that your your experience growing up is so. I mean, we've had this conversation, but it's so completely different from mine. In that you grew up where, yeah, when you were 13, you were invited to a lot of birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, and you knew the people and there were all that stuff. I was the fucking new kid. Yeah. In school, every year from kindergarten until eighth grade, I never got invited to fucking anybody's birthday party yeah. because not because I was like pariah or everybody hated me or I was a piece of shit because I was the new kid. Nobody invites the new kid to their birthday because you don't know who this fucking new kid is. So I was always the new kid. So my expectation was that I wasn't getting invited to birthday parties and it didn't bother me because at that point that was just sort of, that was the way it was. Yeah. So when somebody did invite me to, to a birthday party, you know, which I can't even maybe a handful of times growing up, I was always thrilled because what it meant was it didn't mean, Hey, I get to celebrate this person. I know really well. It meant, Hey, free fucking cake. <laughs> and that is a really easy expectation to meet. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But I, I I push back on the expectations as goals because you, I, I think you have to dial back your expectations, manage them. I think you have to manage them. I don't think you should dial them back. But, uh, but I, I hear what you're saying. Well, like... I'm trying to think, I'm trying to like think of an expectation that I have like for, I don't know, my children. Um, my only expectation for them is that they, I expect them to be helpful people. Cause if they're helpful, they will be kind. They will be thoughtful. They will be empathetic. 
Um, but that's that's kind of it. Like I don't expect them to be doctors or. Well, no, but that, it's okay. No, I, it's okay to expect them to be exceptional. That doesn't mean they're going to be, because the law of averages says that they're <laughs> that the law of averages says they might be in the lower percentile. They may not even be average. They might be below average. You don't know that. They might yeah. be above average and and not achieve anything, which is pretty common. Let me read you something, guys. I've been I've been writing a whole bunch lately in just chunks, and I don't know where any of this goes. But this I think applies. To, I think this applies. I wrote. I literally wrote this this morning. If one if one were to seek a difference between those new to the gambling world and those veterans of the green felt table, the most obvious is the balance between intuition and the external confirmation of the bet. A less experienced better will often simply go with their gut, tossing chips into the pot based entirely on an unwavering belief in their own infallible luck at the moment. The grizzled poker face has had those moments as well as plenty of the cards shattering that sense of inerrancy resulting in loss and humiliation. The neophyte hasn't yet come to grips with the simple fact that the longer you play, the more you lose. That while big risk can sometimes open up to big rewards, those moments over time can be counted on one hand. The seasoned fortune hunter looks for signs of potential wins as opposed to relying on his gut with the latter being a rarity rather than the rule. Card counters have all but given up on the idea of plucky fortuity, assessing the odds in real time to ensure a triumph in the game. Yet, in gazing into a life, here's where it gets good, I think, it is those big, perhaps thoughtless risks that we remember. There is an adrenaline rush to going all in on a pair of nines in contrast to the reasonable bet. We don't tell stories about the reasonable player, despite his longevity at the well, because the tale of one who approaches the grift reasonably, are they're dull. We are not inspired by the practical, the cautious, the smart play. Those who play to win are just more fun than those who play not to lose. And when it comes to expectations, I think... The, the, it's not that you should dial them down. I think you should always have the, the highest expectations of every situation. It's about managing your reaction when it doesn't work out. That's what I think it is. And that's everything. I mean, that's feelings. That's your emotions. It's go big or go home is sort of, it's always kind of been my perspective. See, but I think that, and I agree with that. Like, you know, look, I'm going to feel the way I feel. And it's it's what I do with it. Like, if I feel jealousy or if I feel anger or um, whatever it is, how do I deal? I'm on the, I'm on the road and there's a, a car stalled in the middle and, you know, everything is back, traffic's backed up and just, fuck, I got to get somewhere and move out. Of I can be annoyed. And then I can curse and curse and swerve and drive like an asshole. Or I can be annoyed and I can just try and be as calm and cool and patient as I possibly can. Which sometimes is just me cursing a lot and swerving and driving like an asshole. Um, but there's... I, I, I feel like lowering your expectations... Managing your expectations, you know, not expecting so much out of people, out of things that you can't control, like whether Sarah Polcini is going to dance with me at Brian Wolf's Bar Mitzvah or not. Um, that removes some of the work that we have to do every day. Like, oh, I want to work. Constantly... That work is good, though. It's good work, dude. Is it? Here's the thing. Going along with your analogy is I, I and this is the thing. I, I, I love this analogy. I mean, it's a long, long time ago. It's like you're walking down the street. You're on a sidewalk, right? Major street, down the sidewalk. And all of a sudden, right in front of you is a man-sized pile of shit. I mean, <laughs> this is a, a, an unhoused dude shitting a brick. It's huge. Okay. Okay. 
One thing you can do is you, you had an expectation that you were going to be walking unfettered without a pile of shit in your way. And you can pile take of human shit, human shit. You can take that pile of human shit personally and sit down in front of it and weep and, and scream and be angry and deal with it that way. You could second choice walk around it. It's not that much of an inconvenience. Leave it for someone else to deal with. Mm -hmm. Or you could clean it up. Yeah. And that's it. Those those are your choices. And I think when it comes to expectations, you're talking about expectations. I don't again, I don't think it's about managing. I I really believe, and I think that's where the optimist, that's maybe why you're a more tempered optimist than I am. Yeah. Because <laughs> my optimism is have the highest expectation in every situation. It is that completely unearned overconfidence in the result that make the best stories. However, when things don't work out, manage your reaction to those. I'm you know, getting right into, you know, I had high expectations for my third marriage. Yeah. You know, I did. I had really high expectations was the fact that it, it crashed and burned in a fucking, you know, Delta flight from 1980s that went down into a fucking Gulf. Did that, does that, the fact that it was a massive failure that my expectations not only were denied, but denied in such a ridiculous, overwhelming way. Does that mean I shouldn't have those high expectations? No, I'm glad I had those high expectations because what what those expectations say have less to do with her and less to do with betrayal and less to do with any of that. It has more to do with my ability to go into the world and try and attempt the very best. Yeah. And 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 so yeah, am I am I learning like a, a grizzled old poker face that maybe I should be more cautious? I'm learning that. Does that mean I'm going to be? Probably fucking not. I'm probably not going to be more cautious. I'm going to try to be smarter about my choices, but I'm still going to go with my gut on most things. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's funny when people second guess me, um, or try to second guess my stuff and then I second guess it myself. It was very funny because I, I got a, a, like at fucking two o'clock in the morning, like what the fuck's he doing up at two o'clock in the morning? But, uh, Jonathan Pitts sends me a text out of nowhere. We were having a discussion about this. There was it. It was just. I've just saw a documentary about Reno. Why don't you go to Reno instead of Chicago? <laughs> it was like just out of the out of. And my first thought is, do you do you not want me to come to Chicago? Why do you ask that question? That's a weird yeah. question. But then again, it's Pitts, so who knows what's going on in his head? Right. And my my answer my answer was, been to Reno, great town too small. I need the big city and I miss Chicago done. That's, I mean, yeah. that's really what it is. But then it, it, it did put me a little bit this morning when I was thinking about that. And I answered that. And then I started thinking about it. It's like, well, what would be wrong with Reno? And I started to second guess the choice to go. And I was like, no. And, and I, I took a long walk. And as I was taking Reno, well, I mean, exactly. I was just taking my long walk and I went, no, Reno is no different. Really? Reno is no different than Wichita. Yeah. Which is, it's a tiny town. The only difference is they have a lot of casinos. There's one here, you know, but it's a tiny town. And that's, yeah. that's, that's not what jacks me up. And yes, it's a big swing to come back to Chicago. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and there's a lot of expectations that, that I have and that probably other people have when they hear them coming. That doesn't matter. What are those expectations? My expectations? Well, you know, my expectations is that, uh, I'll live another 25 years doing some amazing fucking shit. My expectations is that, you know, we're going to create events that I'm going to do theater, that we're going to do a dodgeball tournament, that I'm going to wear blackface at all of them. That's my, <laughs> I, no, I'm not going to do that. I just love that. That's the thing that gets you that I can say anything. I could say that we're going to do an entire literate ape event designed around my balls and a funny face that I draw on my balls and you'd be fine with it. But if I said right. A funny face on my balls in blackface, and you would you would just go no anything but that. It's like all right, that's funny to me. Because I can defend that's the li that's the line you draw. Nuts! I cannot defend your blackface, blackface on my nuts. Well, 
<laughs> See? I mean, there's. Uh, I'm sure there's a case for that. It's, yeah, I but, don't think it'll end well, but I think I can make a case yeah, for it. Yeah, but no, I, I oh, like crap. I, no. I, so what do you? Okay, I'm just and and then we can get into some other stuff. But I, what what is an EQ test like? I've never taken an EQ test. I what what is what is what is it's it? It's like one of those personality tests. So, so it's, it's like yeah, you know, okay. I'm trying to. I don't remember the questions off the top of my head, but it's <laughs> do you um do you get upset? by homelessness do you are you good at managing your emotions do you do you recognize pe people's body language um you know do you th things like that it's know? also it's all weird self-perception stuff because you get who's gonna say no i don't notice people's body language everybody's right. gonna say of course i notice whether they do or not whether or not it affects their view of anybody well yes now here's here's the thing is that they ask they ask a lot of the same questions in different ways. To okay, so it, it is like one of those personal so, tests. Yeah, okay. it's just like that. And you know, it's, it's funny. Katie was saying like, "Why are you taking these tests right now? For like twelve years, you've given me shit about all these tests." Because she'll she'll be like, you know, I'm an INFJ, ENTF. Yeah, and and and, 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 and the Myers Briggs. She, she well deserves that shit because those tests well, are are just they're like horoscopes they're just self-affirming bullshit well they are just as much as they aren't because my <laughs> problem with them my problem with them is that people use it like oh you're an ENTF IDEFG yeah yeah whatever whatever yeah. you're these four letters ENTJF whatever and that's who you are. That's the way you are. That's the thing. Not everybody thinks this way, but a lot of times it's like, well, there's the personality test. So that's what it says. That's who you are. And that's why I'm going to, you know, they do this a lot in, in, in companies. Like I, jobs. Uh, yeah. And the thing is like, yeah, that's part of it. But let me take the test in another year. It might be a little different because experiences have changed things. We are not here's the absolute. There's got to be the spectrum of things. Here's my issue with these tests. Here's my issue with these tests, and the same thing with horoscopes. I anybody take those tests never say, dude, you're a fucking asshole. You're a loser. You're a piece of shit. However, I guarantee you that at least half the people that take these tests are in fact assholes, losers, and pieces of shit. But these tests do not tell you the truth. They don't tell you who you are. You know, it's like, dude. You're an addictive personality and you drink too much. Your EQ test didn't say that. It's still true. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's not like saying something bad about you. It's just like, okay. So it's, it's like past lives. Nobody goes to like somebody and say, what's my past life? Nobody is, oh, you were a you, fuck. You, you were, were a murderer. fucking, you were a fucking slum landlord. I mean, nobody yeah. hears that because. That is not why we take them. We take them to affirm what we already believe about ourselves rather than like real truth. And so my problem with these tests is they're just self-affirming bullshit to make you feel better about who you might be or who you could be. They help you try to define good qualities without ever recognizing your bad qualities. And we all have them. That's, that's a fair point. I, and I think it's also like for some people, um, you know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm an INTF JQ, fuck, so fuck. I have yeah. to, I'm going to react to this thing this way. Cause that's what I would do. Cause I judgmental is part of my thing and I'm intuitive, but I like it, I, I, I it, it adds a level of rigidity in a world and a, and a lived experience that requires flexibility. Exactly. You've got to be able and to again, pivot. This is not, this is not always or everyone but in some of my experiences i've seen a lot of that rigidity because these yeah. things are put in place yeah and they define a person oh david's an infj well huh can't date him because i only date entfrs or, you well, know, like you you, off, you, you know? texted you texted me earlier it was either this morning or last night and i don't even know why so i have to ask you asked me what my astrological sign was Oh yeah, what? Why? What the fuck? Why? <laughs> let's let's get into Rorschach.
now, we're sack of the news. In retrograde Mercury is giving Don Hall a reach around. <laughs> Don, this is your Aquarius horoscope for today. Sunday, November 12th, 2023. Ambitious career goals can find you idealizing a better place to call home as the moon in Scorpio faces off with Jupiter in Taurus. Your journey could inspire you to weave different cultural values into your home and family now. Well, you know, okay, great, great. You know, that's far out. You, you know, that's that's far great. out. That's far out. Whatever. Um, and and you know what? Uh, my co-star, my co-star, November uh, Sunday, November twelfth. Love tries to expand, but so often it shatters. Today, you feel torn between the pressure to rely on your gut and your desire for a sign. It's good to ask for clarity if that's what you need. Just make sure you're not doing that thing where you lose yourself in darkness and then what a bunch of shit. <laughs> what a bunch. I'm sorry. I, you know, I mean, I get it. Thank you for the, you know, the, the horoscope. But, but can I'm, we acknowledge that that horoscope that I read to you is, is kind of in tune with what's going in, on in your it's, life? It, it is in tune with what's going on in my life, but you could have read that to me. Um, a year ago, August, yeah. and I would have, you know what I mean? A year ago, August, and it would have still been appropriate, although tinged with the massive regret that my legs had literally been exploded off my body. And I was crawling around like a, an emotional fucking cripple, dragging my carcass around by my fucking bleeding forearms. Jesus Christ. And what yet, <laughs> I think you know what happened. Um, but no, no, I did. Like, again, it, it's sort of like a, what, a broken clock can be right twice a day. That's just the thing. Yeah. So I, I say the, the, the thing that sold me, I mean, that sold me on horse. So I'm not <laughs> the thing that sold yeah. me on complete fantasy. But this was years ago. I was at the summer camp. I was a counselor. And that night, our evening activity was the staff show where the counselors, you know, did stupid skits, sang songs, everything. My horoscope that day was, uh, today is a great day to see or participate in a musical comedy. I was like, well, that's a little specific because I that's, was yeah. going to be participating in a musical comedy. You know, it's a staff show. To yeah, but, 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 like, what, but what's, your, what's your sign? What's your astrological sign? My astrological sign is Gemini. Okay, so do you and think I'm such a Gemini, Don? No, oh my God, I'm yeah. so mercurial and such a Gemini. Uh, so my question becomes: Do you but think? Do you think on that day at camp that every Gemini on the planet Earth was doing a musical yeah. comedy? Because it's Absolutely. pretty. Because it's pretty. You know, it's pretty. Pretty. That's probably not happening. It's just literally throwing darts at shit and saying shit. It's like, it? a, it's like a Mad Libs. Every horoscope is a Mad Libs of some self-affirmation and a possibility. It's just like, what a bunch what of nonsense. If, what if we're all living in our own realities and somebody else <laughs> who read that Gemini horoscope that day, it was something else for them. Today's a great day to poop your pants. And it was a baby who saw it and a baby pooped their pants. Hey, and it's just like, that's like right now, this conversation we're having for you is one way. It's completely different for me. And whoever's listening to this, they hear something else entirely. There is no absolute truth. It's all our own unique personal experience. That yeah. Okay. Post absolute. All right. Postmodernism psych ops. No, the thing is the only, the only horoscope that I would actually believe in predicting my future is you will be outside nowhere near a bathroom and have to take a piss because that is a consistent <laughs> thing every day. So it's just going to happen. In the will of the people shall always triumph. <laughs> After Hamas attack, most Israelis want Netanyahu to resign, according to poll. I, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, going to resign. I there's mean, we well, know that. First of all, first of all, you know, everybody can want things. You know, I want, I want to not have to piss every time I leave the house. However, 
that it's ain't gonna happen. You know, I can. What is it? It's 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 wish in one hand, shit in the other. See which one fills up first. Maybe you should piss in the other, since you probably have to pee. That's true. Fair enough. A little messier. But then I'll have and, a man-sized shit in my palm of one hand, and you'll sit down and cry about it instead of cleaning it up. Honestly, man, if I saw you with a man-sized shit in the palm of your hand, I would probably help you clean that up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Like, oh, Donnie, let's let's go to the bathroom, buddy. Let's get in, that off of you. And in Gemini, okay? Tuesday, November 14th, you will clean up a man-sized shit from your friend's hand. Now, see, that's accurate horoscoping. In They Will Not Replace My Country Music. <laughs> Tracy Chapman becomes first black person to win Song of the Year at the Country Music Awards. Which is like, what, it's like 25 years after she released it? So, Jason, Al no, was it Jason Aldean? No, yeah. Luke Combs, I don't know. Okay. Jason, Luke, whatever. What Luke Combs re um, recorded a cover oh. of, Ch of Chapman's 1988 song. So like 25 years ago, yeah, yeah. 30 30, yeah, wow. 30, yeah. 35 years ago, something like that. Um. Yeah, and it's one. It won Song of the Year. Now she was awarded. Um, she was nominated for three Grammys when the song first came out, and she won Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. It's a great fucking. Yeah, song. it's a great song. It's a great song, hands down. It was. It's such a great song. Luke Combs just recorded it exactly the same way, just without, just a little more country. Just a fat white guy. Just a fat just, white yeah. guy singing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as good as uh, well. Chapman's of course, of, of course not. Tracy Chapman versus Luke. I mean, it's Tracy Chapman. Well, Luke Combs is in, in the country world. Luke Combs is quite a draw. He's a big name and yeah. and a very popular and and actually a pretty decent performer from my my experience. And yeah, I have I had some nothing, of that experiences. I got no problem with Luke Combs, but if you're going to take Luke Combs's you know facsimile of Fast Car and compare it to Tracy Chapman's Fast. Because he didn't like really add any like. Well, it's not a country song. Fire. See yeah. what I what I want to hear is what I like is it's like okay, so Tracy Chapman does uh, that, then Luke Combs gets best country music country music song of the year by doing a direct cover of it. Mm -hmm. What I would like what I would like to see is like a, a polka band from Minnesota, yeah, does a cover of it and gets the Grammy for best polka. You know, you just keep just keep covering her song yeah. and in every possible genre. A mariachi band does the song, oh. and it and it takes the Grammy for best mariachi song and beats La Bamba, which has never happened ever in mariachi. So I think that's cool. That would be cool. Yeah, I would love to hear fast <laughs> mariachi. That's. <laughs> I'm going to be diving into some YouTube and see if I can find that. See if you can find it, because that's a great idea, yeah. That's a great idea. In Hollywood Men Hated Barbara Streisand in 1968, <laughs> this is out of People magazine, <clears throat> Barbara Streisand says she was, quote, disappointed by Gene Kelly on the set of Hello, Dolly. He was so rude. So Streisand has a new memoir out, Call Me Barbara. Or no, My Name is Barbara, right? What that was Whatever. My Name is Barbara, yeah. Um, so apparently, Gene Kelly was just a rude director. He yelled at people. Um, here, let me read this quote. This is from Streisand's book. One day, he, Gene Kelly was so rude to a female dancer that I asked him privately, why were you so mean to her? And he basically laughed it off and said, yeah, I was pretty tough on her, but that's okay. I used to yell like that at another dancer, and she became my wife. <laughs> I just, I mean, look, like I, I know I've said this on the Apecast before that like I would, I'm not gay, but I would dig up Gene's Kelly's bones and hump them. Like, oh yeah, such a fucking hottie, you know. See, see, and 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 <laughs> number one, I want Gene Kelly and Sean Connery to hang out. You know, it's like, yeah, some, sometimes you just got to slap them, just strike their face. Um, on the other hand, I, I want, I want Tippy Hedren and Barbara Streisand to compare notes so that she could say, Gene Kelly was rude. And, and then Tippy can say, yeah, but Hitchcock was a fucking monster. Yeah. I mean, put well, it in perspective, man. 
So it, it goes it goes on. Because <laughs> remember, and I said men in nineteen sixty eight hated her. Well, yeah. She she had an issue with Walter Matthau as well on the set of Hello Dolly. Well, I can't imagine Walter Matthau with his complete aversion to bullshit. I imagine he probably was uh, not the nicest guy. So this was after. Um, Streisand also recalls her co-star Walter Matthau growing upset over her making suggestions to Kelly during filming, especially when her ideas seemed to work. In one instance, an idea she had made, uh, an idea she had made members of the film's crew laugh. But after filming a take, Matthau yelled at her for a perceived slight. He closed his eyes and yelled, who the hell does she think she is? I've been in this business 30 years and this is only her second movie. The first one hasn't even come out yet. And now she's directing... Now, wait a minute. Hold on. I just, I, I, I got to back up. Did Barbara Streisand, did she write this book? Yes. She wrote a memoir. Well, what she- a, what a fucking shock that somehow in all of her experiences, other people were shitty, but she was a brilliant genius, even in 1968. What, what a shock that in her memoir, that's, that's how it comes out. I'm, I'm totally surprised. She goes on to say, Matthau looked at, he looked at me with pure venom and said, you may be the singer in this picture, but I'm the actor. I have more talent in my farts than you have in your whole body. The thing is, I think he probably said that. That makes sense. I, I 100% believe it. Yeah, I 100% yeah, believe yeah. It's what Kelly said. Like, yeah. The, the I yelled at another dancer though. and she became my wife. <laughs> I mean, that is just the most like... 1960s man thing to say holy christ um yeah it's uh also like these two guys have been dead a long time yeah back up you know yeah give him a break why do you you know i mean i mean barbara streisand is barbara straight like you know she's she's barbara like okay but yeah, of course people are going to get pissed and maybe you not know, listen to you when you're the actor on the set, on the set and not the director and you're new. Okay. And, do you, you know. do you know what it reminds you? Do you know what it reminds me of? And now I just it's you just you just brought something into a full circle for me. Um this has got to be the early 90s. Um and uh Joe Janes was doing the the forum, the landmark forum, right? Which was basically an updating of Est from the like the 70s, you know. And, uh, and, you know, so he's doing this and one day he comes up to me, um, just randomly. And he's like, yeah, you know, you owe me an apology. And I said, what did I fucking do this time? And it, I'd said something to him that insulted him and I apologized. And then about three days later, he had a, like a, a, a notebook, like a spiral notebook. And he came up to me and he said, yeah, you owe me an apology for these things too. And it's like three things that I had done or said, but like one of them was like a year ago. Right. And I went, okay. Wow. I'm sorry. I didn't realize, you know, whatever, you know, I don't know what they, what they were about the, eh, about the third time he shows up with the notebook. And I said, okay, dude, I said, I know I'm going to probably owe you an apology for saying this too. So just put it (laughs) in the book. How about you just write all the shit you can think of that I need to apologize? Just do it once and I'll just give you one big apology because this is fucking getting ridiculous. Of course, it made him mad. It probably made the list. But then about three weeks later, because he got pissed at me and wouldn't talk to me, he shows up and apologizes because he'd gotten the step wrong. It's just like AA, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was he was supposed to be offering apologies to others, not <laughs> requesting apologies oh for God. himself. And it strikes me that Barbara Streisand and a lot of people People that are now like, let's shit on all these people that are dead. It's like, dude, they can't apologize. They're dead. Why don't yeah. you offer apologies to the people you were shitty to in your memoir rather than request apologies or shit on people who are fucking dead? Ain't nothing they can do about it. Well, you know, according to Barbara, she wrote this in her book. Um, she wants to be strong, not unkind. Um, I never want to be mean or malicious. So, you know, who the, f- I, I mean, look, got- we know, we know that Mouthout has been an, Mouthout was an asshole. Like, um, yeah, you know, but he, he was, was, but he was an awesome yeah. asshole. Was Gene Kelly a fucking dick on set? Maybe. Was he rude? Yelled at that girl. Yep. That's rude. 
But so it's, funny. <laughs> it's very funny yeah. and it probably got I mean, the job done, you know? And you I, know. I don't think, I mean, I haven't read the book, but of course, it's People Magazine. This is, you know, yeah. clickbaity, which is why well, I clicked on it. The thing is, Barbara took an EQ test and it's her yeah. super, her superpower was retroactive uh, shaming. That was her superpower. So in her EQ. In breaking up isn't hard to do when you're the Pope. <laughs> Pope Francis fires Texan bishop after criticism of reforms. You can so, fire... Wait a minute. You can fire bishops? I was surprised at that, too. Apparently, um, the Vatican said that the bishop would be, quote, relieved of his duties as a result of investigations at his diocese of Tyler. So it wasn't like they excommunicated him, which means he's complete out of the church. They fired him. See that that puts that puts the 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 whole papal structure. Uh, you know, it's like, do they have an HR? Is it a is it a heavy? I mean, apparently not. Because is it a, is it really... a is it a heavy woman who complains about coupons? Because that's an <laughs> HR person. I mean, this is what I'm saying. Is if the if if. The Roman Catholic Church is no different than, let's just say, Julasco. Why, huh? I don't get it. Fair enough. In What Goes Around Comes Around. Oh, this is a good one. In What Goes Around Comes Around, QAnon Shaman. Jacob Chansley, who <laughs> served more than two years in prison for his role in the January 6th attack on Congress, now wants to run for Congress. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I think, you know, Trump is Trump is going to run for president despite, what, 455 indictments against him. So it makes fun, you know, and I'll be honest with you. Um, we've already got Marjorie Taylor Greene. We've already got Matt, uh, whatever, his fucking Gates. We've already got... L Lowen Lauren Handjob Bobert. You know, I think I think he'd fucking fit right in. I think he'd fit right in as long as a la Fetterman, he wears that goddamn head thing in Congress. Cause then yeah. then the clown show has begun anyway, but at least he's open enough to just say, fuck it, I'm not wearing a shirt, I'm doing face paint. I say yay to that tax legislation. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and now, an extraneous quote of the week to ponder as you consider life for pressing sources. The quote of the week today, and I picked a quote based on our conversation that we were going to have. It's a Stanley Kubrick quote. Hmm. However vast the darkness, we must supply our own light. Now, he was probably talking about, like, movie lighting. But anyway, yeah. in a grander scheme, we're going to just like, just like the horoscope where, you know, I'm going on a journey and you're going to be in musical theater. We're going to interpret the darkness and the light as something more mystical. How, however vast the darkness we must supply our own light. I really like that. That really resonates with me because on this journey of balance, I, there is so much shit that we cannot control in this world. Most things in our life just happen to us. Yep. And to your point earlier, it's what we do when those things happen that that makes us active participants mm -hmm. and, you know, makes the self-made man. Like the self-made man couldn't have done the thing without the gift from his father or, you know, like, yeah, right. Yeah. That, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, I'm trying to think of like the perfect timing of the, the robber barons, you know, like with the, the. Uh, what's his, not even the Robert Barons. Let's go more modern. Um, Mark fucker turd. He's, he created this incredible thing and has changed the world with what he did with Facebook, but he couldn't have done it. If people, if the nineties hadn't happened, you yeah. know, like it, so, so as I'm going through 
my own balancing. Like I have to realize like nobody's going to fucking light the way for me. Nobody's going to do shit. I just, I have to like approach this thing positively and I have to approach it with my own expectations and managing those. And then when the shit happens, dealing with it myself, because nobody else is bringing a flashlight to this campfire. No, no light that when it comes to this sort of existential, uh, I don't know, uh, philosophical perspective on the world, it is darkness. I mean, we're, we're living in the, we're living in darkness. I mean, I mean, the fucking QAnon shaman is fucking running for Congress and we'll probably get elected. We are living in fucking darkness, my friend. So you got to supply your own light. And that light comes from uh, a sense of hope, a sense of optimism. And in my opinion, the highest of expectations of what could be. And I like that. That's, I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great quote. But he was definitely talking about, he was definitely talking to his lighting guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 100%. There are six things you should do this week. My first thing this week is a listen. I, well, I, it, <laughs> <laughs> It's a podcast called Fresh Air. Perhaps you've heard of it. What? Um, Fresh Air. Yeah, it's starring uh, Terry Gross. Starring. It what a terrible last Terry. name. What's a terrible? That's a terrible last name. This this particular episode um, premiered November 9th, the day after the episode of Barbara Streisand. <laughs> ran. It's not. It's not hosted by Lindsay Disgusting. No, no. It's Terry um, Gross. Yeah, it was Terry Gross. Yep. Okay. Lindsay Bob, Bob, Bob repulsive. I, you know, I like Lindsay disgusting. That's like a good, <laughs> that's a good, like, like lead singer of a seventies punk band name. Okay. Fair enough. I'm Lindsay disgusting. And this is some fucking rock and roll. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, but this episode is called examining the divisions within Israel. And it starts to really get into I mean, as much as you can in, you know, 45 minutes. Um, it's about th this book, this, this writer, uh, she's a writer for the New York Times, Isabel Kirshner. She wrote this book that came out right before the October 7th Hamas attacks called The Land of Hope and Fear, Israel's Battle for Its Inner Soul. But it's going into, and like, she couldn't have known at the time how pertinent it was going to be. Because now there's like... Israel was infighting over Netanyahu. Now they're still infighting. There's, there are factions tearing this country apart, right and left. So it's, it's a real interesting, it's kind of heady. Oh, yeah, I like I, it. I need to listen to it again. I was listening to it on my run yesterday. I'm a fan. But I think I need to like listen to it like... When you're sitting sit and, and just thinking. To it. Yeah. Take notes, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my first thing is a read. It is in The Guardian, and it's not actually long. It's, I thought I expected it to be longer, but that's why... This guy can do it because he says many, 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 many things in few words. It is the good guys don't always win. Salman Rushdie on peace, Barbie, and what freedom cost him. It is a really good, thoughtful fucking piece of, uh, well, the, the only thing you can say is, yeah, it's in the Guardian, but it's literature because it's Rushdie. You know, I mean, it's a really... Yeah. It's, 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 it's absolutely worth the read because he's got lots to say. And I just expected it to be like this long read, like this 15,000 word. Nope. Nope. Maybe 1200 words, but it fucking says a lot. So I highly recommend that. And he was he shot or stabbed. He was stabbed. Stabbed. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, my next thing to do this week is what it's a watch on Amazon prime. It is watch Gen V takes place in the world of the boys. I don't think it is as good as the boys. I think the writing is a little sloppier, a little well, looser. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what it is, it's is good. That they're, they're, but, it, the, the difference, the difference is the boys is a flat out satire yeah. of the superhero genre. And Gen V is let's take a look at that world. Those people, those, those Vought, kids before they've determined that they're pieces of shit and you know and 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 so i think it's going to be a little sloppier because the 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 moral center is a little chewier mm. 
Inter I like that. The moral center is a little chewier. I like that. Okay. Yeah. My second thing is on Netflix. You know how I love my Stallone? Yep. There's a new documentary called Sly. And it is, and, and believe it or not, as much as I know and love of Sylvester Stallone, it even had things I had never heard of. Specifically, he played polo almost professionally. Didn't know that. Oh, and and how horrible his relationship with his father was. I mean, like it was violent and hor like like horrifying and jealousy and weird shit. However, I find nothing but complete inspiration uh, from Sylvester Stallone, and uh, and I loved every single minute of this documentary. I, I highly recommend it. Okay, my last thing to do this week. It's a read. It's in Time Magazine. It's a short little brief article, Five Ways to Cultivate Hope When You Don't Have Any, by Angela Haupt. And let me just read these off to you real quick. Yeah. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, just the, the bullet points. And I'll read them as they're written in Look Time at Magazine. that, with the little, with the little pictures, little, little animations, sure. Number one, give yourself permission to be hopeful. Great. Number two, set at least one meaningful goal. Number three, brainstorm solutions. Number four, call your support team. And number six, tap into your imagination. Those are the least pragmatic, biggest bunch of bullshit points. Well, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, it's not even, it's not even as pragmatic as go exercise. I mean, that's, that's a pragmatic. It's like, these are just headlines check, to get into. I mean, check in with your, check in with your team. Call your support team. Call your Who's the fucking... Who has a support team? You. You are. You are my support team. I am no, your support team. No, I'm yes. your friend. So say check in with your fucking friends. All right. I mean, that's speak that's Speak language that makes sense, not corporate speak. Oh, my God. To that, to that point, and you missed this because it, it doesn't translate as well audibly. The headline, again, is five ways I know. to I heard. hope. I heard. Number six. They list this thing one, two, three, four, six. There's no I, five. They went to six, and it's like, ah, oh. I mean, mistakes happen. It's just like Time Magazine. That's it says you know, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. And my third thing is uh, in keeping with the the angry Gene Kelly and Walter Matthau model. <laughs> yeah, I yelled at her on Netflix. Dick. On Netflix, Bill Burr has a new movie that he wrote and directed and stars in. It's called Old Dads. It is. Oh, it is. Yes, it's I basically like three fifty-ish-year-old men who are married to women, maybe a decade or so, or a little more younger than them, and have toddlers. It is just start to finish very very funny i will i will i will give a nod to donnie smith he did not find it to be a very good film because he thought it was too mean-spirited in some ways however given that i love mean-spirited um the only thing i can fault the thing is that bill burr is a great writer and he's yeah. very funny playing himself he's not a great director and that's okay that's all right it's yeah. i i found it to be funny as shit. i think he's very funny at any movie that allows a, a, a middle-aged white man to call a middle-aged white woman a stumpy cunt is the Jeez. best movie I will ever see this year. Stumpy, huh? All right. Yeah. Oh, and he gets he gets bust <laughs> he gets busted for being both ableist and misogynist. It's excellent. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the that's show. It. I am so I am so happy that you had your EQ done and you read your horoscope, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send you as your support team. I'm gonna be sending you some uh, some crystals and runes. Yes, thank you. You know, and uh, and some apple jacks because everybody needs apple jacks. Ooh, I could eat those apple jacks in the bathtub with my bubbles, my lavender bubble bath. Yeah, and my crystals. Yeah. See? And I can ma and I can manifest the light in my life. I like this.
You can listen to the Literate Ape Cast on literateape.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you go to get that delicious podcast experience. If you enjoy the dulcet sounds of two white guys babbling about whatever comes into their stunted brains, leave us a review anywhere that, you know, reviews are left. And share it with someone whom which you have a dubious relationship. For information about Literate Ape, Go to literateape.com, of course, and check out the rest of our podcasts and our years of scribbling. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Finopel and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. Yeah,